0: Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today we're talking with Gemma Purvis, the host of Drive Program from Eastside FM. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be working in media, the importance of community radio, the impact that lockout laws are having on our music scene and what needs to be done to make our events and venues more inclusive. You're listening to Coogee Voice.
1: need to go, okay, this is something that I'm going to work on because I think that, yes, I can make a difference, I can really find work in these areas, whether it's news, like breaking news, whether it's finance, I think it's really important. You need the the small venues for sure, but then you also need those great large venues like the Horden, which really has a great atmosphere and attracts international artists. We have to remember that just because so many of us will automatically listen to podcasts or stream the radio via our phones as we're out and about, there is a significant proportion of people that don't do that, that don't have that digital access. And I just can't emphasize how important it is to keep people connected.
0: Gemma, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today?
1: I'm all right. It's already been a hectic morning, but yeah, you no, know, another week. <laughs> it's great. I actually went and had a coffee yesterday which in a cafe, which was just like, I think, the highlight of my week. <laughs> you know what? It's a testament of the times when the highlight of our week
0: is just going out once in a day to get a coffee. It's a very special experience for some of us.
1: I think it was being able to sit in the cafe. That was the, the real, you know, deal breaker there. It's just an amazing experience.
0: <laughs> well, good to hear that you're going well. Now, before we get into the meaty part of this interview, you've been living around the eastern suburbs for a while. How long have you lived in the east and why do you live in the eastern suburbs? Well,
1: I was born in the east. I was born in Clo Valley and I grew up in Bronte. Yeah, and then when I was at uni, I moved to Coogee, and then I went overseas for about 10 years, and then when I moved back, I've ended up in the sort of the, the southern end of the east, and so I was, I guess, down in Matraville.
0: Yeah, that's good, though. That's the same as me. So, I'm born and bred in Bronte. The furthest south I've ever lived is Randwick, and the furthest north I've lived is Bondi. So... <laughs> Well, we, don't, no. we don't travel far if you're born and bred in the eastern suburbs, yeah,
1: you tend to stay uh, poor. Yeah, I mean, it is a running joke amongst some of my friends how, you know, how how small my concept of Sydney is. Listen, no, I love Sydney and, but I guess when you grow up in an area and you work in an area as well, like it's, there's not really a lot of need to get too far out of that area and I love being by the coast and I think that's the killer isn't it you know you, you want to be by the water.
0: Well yeah it's called the eastern suburbs bubble for a reason. Now Gemma you've been with Eastside FM since 2014 since returning to Australia after a long stint working in financial media in London. Tell us a little bit about how did you get working into media? I fell into
1: it you know, as is the way I, my first job out of university, I was actually at Fairfax in the library and I was doing archival work for them. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you don't necessarily plan these careers. But when I was working in the library, I really discovered that I enjoyed the financial side of it. So I specialised in doing things for the Fin review. And, you know, and that led to being a media analyst for banks and that then led to 10 years at the London Stock Exchange. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. You started in print. Why the move to radio?
1: Again, I fell into it. I moved back to Australia when my dad got sick. And so I wasn't working and there's, I loved my dad and we really enjoyed each other's company. So it wasn't you know, a huge ask to spend a lot of time with him and caring for him because it was more he needed the companionship than a lot of physical care. But I still needed a break. I still needed a respite. And so I started volunteering at Eastside. And as with most of the people at Eastside, I started off just doing a few hours one morning a week in the reception area and got to know a few of the presenters, you know, got to get a feel for the station and it just kind of ballooned, and I never would have imagined that it would lead to working in radio and also TV. But it's just, it's just the way it flowed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so opportunity and jumping at chance is where you've led to.
1: Yes, and I mean, I chose Eastside Radio because I love jazz music and I love theatre and the arts, and I mean that's one of the things that I really miss about living in London is that the opportunity that you have, I would go to the theatre two, three nights a week. Yeah, I'd see a lot of live music. I'd go to art galleries a couple of times a week because it was all on my doorstep. It wasn't so much effort, whereas, yes, we've got some great theatre in Sydney, but you just don't have the range. There's not 100 shows a night in Sydney like there is in London to choose from. And so at least by volunteering at Eastside it allowed me to immerse myself as much as possible in the sydney arts and cultural scene
0: so i want to just talk a little bit about free press and community radio why do you think it's important that people should be supporting this kind of media and particularly now
1: because there isn't a lot of other local media out there the reality of it is is that we don't have the local free press that gets delivered anymore. So you're not getting you went with couriers, you're not getting your southern couriers, depending on where you live in the eastern suburbs. And a lot of it's digital, but not. we have to remember that just because so many of us will automatically listen to podcasts or stream the radio via our phones as we're out and about, there is a significant proportion of people that don't do that that don't have that digital access. And I just can't emphasise how important it is to keep people connected. One of the things that our station manager at Eastside is really passionate about is always on special days like Christmas Day, having live broadcasts And he won't allow anything to be pre-recorded. You know, we don't recycle old shows. And the number of phone calls we get on a day like Christmas Day is really remarkable because there are lonely people out there, but there are also people that they don't have another source of information about what's going on in our community. And it's so vital that we know what's going on. You know, you can't go to a council meeting at the moment. Yes, they're streamed online, but again, not everyone has that digital access. So if we're not there to tell people this is what the council's decided, the beaches are reopening or the council's going to move the, this festival or this festival's been cancelled or the libraries are reopening on this date, where do people find this information out?
0: You're absolutely right. Uh, It is so important that information, that news is accessible to people across a wide variety of mediums. And as we have seen the closing down or the stopping of print media during this time, uh, we do know that people are actually challenged and are faced with challenges in terms of accessing information. Um, You know, we've had libraries being closed down, which for many people, that was the only way that they would be able to access the internet. And I have to say, I've getting constituents contacting me on a daily basis, just saying, when are we going to be able to open up libraries again so that I can have access to the internet for things like this? So, one of the other things I know that you're quite interested in is the uh, Sydney music scene. It would be a good. I want to hear some insights. Who are some up-and-coming artists that people should be focused on?
1: There are so many great musicians in Sydney. And I've got to say as well, one of the things I would really emphasise is the small venues because some of the small venues have done an amazing job during the closures of bringing live music tours. So there's like a weekly gig at Johnston Street, jazz and Annandale. They do a Thursday night show. They've kept doing a Thursday night show. They stream it live. It's fantastic. And I guess I do have certain jazz or classical music tastes. So yeah, I, there are a lot of great musicians out there. There's God Tet, who's a local guy, absolutely phenomenal, really brings in some hip hop influences to the jazz scene. And there's some great young female singers as well. So there's Recently there's Frances Madden, quite well-known, Ella Haber, she's got a stunning voice, and then one woman who I've recently discovered through the shutdown, she's become quite popular on TikTok of all things, is a young woman called Gabby Bolt, and she's just got this beautiful, soulful voice. Uh, But, yeah, there's a lot of really exciting music out there, and I think once venues start to open up, it's fortunate that it's going to be the small venues first that open up. And they're the ones that are going to be highlighting some of these up and coming artists. So, definitely, you should be checking out what's going to be happening at any venue, I guess, that holds less than 100 people because they're going to be the first to open.
0: Now, one of the uh, areas around legislative change that I'm quite passionate about is around the laxing of lockout laws as well as the uh, noise restrictions regulations, which have had quite a devastating impact in particular on the music scene. You know, through your experience, what have these laws done to live music in Sydney?
1: Oh, it's, it's just exhausting. The, the restrictions are really terrible because the thing is, is that a lot of venues might have multiple gigs throughout the course of a night. And so the whole point is that you need the punters to be able to come in and then go to the next show or the next event. And these lockout laws where you're locked into one venue for the whole night means that people don't venue hop. And so there's a lot of businesses that are missing out because you'll get to one place and you're kind of stuck there for the whole night. And it means that there's less gigs as well because the if the venues don't have people coming and going then they've got less door entry and it just has really limited the number of artists that can get out there you're also seeing less big band kind of stuff so you're seeing a lot more duos or you know smaller groups performing which is great but sometimes you want big, you know, shows. And I just don't think you'd get bands like, I mean, and these were rock bands, but you wouldn't get the pub rock bands of the 80s like Cold Chisel or Hunters and Collectors (laughs) really cracking it now because they had too many members. Now Hunters and Collectors I think had seven band members and it's Mm. so hard to make make money out of the scene that you can't have that kind of grand vision for the music that you create.
0: Well, it's even like thinking close to home. Selena's down at Coogee Bay used to be a pumping live music scene. And the Ramwick Historical Society, one of their prized possessions, is an original ACDC uh, poster that the little old ladies at Ramwick Historical Society absolutely covered. But you think about it, that used to be like absolutely. Pumping all the time with live music going in there. Uh, I think the last time that there was a big concert there was the Preachers, and that was in 2018. Off the top of my head, was the last one. So you know, uh, the impact that it's having not only on just our capacity to have fun and dance, but even they're just talking about the real impacts that this is having on musicians and their capacity to actually be able to make money um, and. You know, the, that scene is really, really devastating.
1: I agree. And, you know, who hasn't been to gigs at Stelina's? But even when you think about some of the bigger venues, like they were talking about closing the Hordern and pavilion because the Sydney Swans wanted to take it over to run their admin side out of the space. And you need the, the small venues for sure but then you also need those great large venues like the Horden, which really has a great atmosphere. and attracts international artists and it's that good mid sized venue because not everyone wants to do the stadiums. And not everyone, and I realise this makes me very Eastern suburb centric here, but not everyone wants to go out to Homebush for a gig. <laughs>
0: Are you saying that people in the eastern suburbs don't want to close? Don't want to pass Anzac Parade? Yeah. <laughs> now I know that you have a particular passion for inclusive events and policy. Compared to where we've been over the last ten years, how do you think we've changed our policy and our approach in this area?
1: I I can't say that much good stuff. In all honesty, I've found that it's still really difficult. And I think that we're really behind Europe in this regard. Even though European cities are older and so it's much harder to make them accessible, they put more effort into providing accessible venues and opportunities. And I know that there are are issues with security and so on for some venues. But when you start restricting how people can get to a venue and the lack of options, whether it be parking for people who have disability permit and so on, and it's their only form of independence, I think we really struggle. It's just it's not obvious and, you know, the, again, you have to make a phone call if you want to book accessible seating. You can't just do it online. It's, it's all a lot of effort. And it shouldn't be that much effort because you're exhausted before you've even, you know, bought your tickets or even got to the venue, and it shouldn't be that way. Some of the things that I will say are positive though is you do have things like the companion cards, which is a phenomenal initiative where people who do have a recognised disability can register to get a companion card, and it means you get two tickets for the price of one. So your carer can go with you to the football or a gig or the cinema or whatever. And there are some great charities that are out there really helping people with disability maintain those social contacts. But, yeah, I, I think that we've got a long way to go and I think that we need to just realise that it shouldn't be difficult to find this information out and that you shouldn't it shouldn't rely on you having to always make phone calls when so many people do things digitally now.
0: So, if you were going to say to someone like me that I could repeat to other politicians, what would be three things that we could do that would help in this space?
1: I think you should make it almost compulsory for venues, especially the large venues, to allow people with disabilities to book tickets online, disability access tickets, which you cannot do at the moment. You have to make a phone call. And if you've got issues, with speaking to people, then that is a lot of effort. I think there perhaps should be a look at getting to the venues as well. So the transport options are absolutely vital. Like if you want to go down to the STC, down at the Wharf or the Ros Packer Theatre, yes, if you drive, you can get there, but the public transport options to get there are really awkward. We need to ensure that there is good transport links for venues and good access for venues, and they also need to offer digital access to tickets, and, yeah, I think that's the key.
0: I completely agree with you. Whenever I'm asked what is a good public transport system, a fundamental part of that for me is always that it is inclusive and that it works for people who have disabilities, uh, who are elderly, who have ailments, because these are the people that most depend on public transport. I want more people. I would love everyone to catch public transport because it's better for the environment, but for people that don't have those other options, and they're also more expensive to be able to drive or to have a driver, public transport needs to be safe and it needs to take people where they need to go Uh, it's incredibly important
1: and I don't want to cherry pick out specific venues but one of the main we've got this wonderful opera house and it is a stunning venue and they put on some incredible events there and I think people don't realize that they've got some small spaces in there where they put on some really experimental and challenging new works but the access there once you're there It's wonderful. The staff are great. They'll push you in a wheelchair anywhere you want. But you can't get public transport that drops you at the Opera House. It's a long walk from the the bus stop. And you can't park there if you're disabled because the car park is so far from the main entrance Mm. that if you don't have someone to drive you or if you can't afford to get a cab, then you really can't get there because the disabled parking at the Opera House is still quite a walk from the main entrance and I don't know what the solution is because I understand the pedestrianised forecourt is phenomenal it's really made it an incredibly buzzy space but it is it's reduced the accessibility for people with disabilities and that's a real shame and as I I don't know what the solution is I just hope that there is one and you know it's it's a really difficult balance because we do want pedestrianised areas we do want people to use these public spaces but not at the detriment of, you know, people who aren't as fortunate as the rest of us being able to access it.
0: Yeah, and I think, look, I think the first step in finding a solution is having proper conversations, um, particularly with people who are disabled and who have these challenges and making sure that they are part of the dialogue in finding a solution. Uh, That is the first step always in trying to then find a solution to these problems. Now, Gemma, you've worked in media for a really long time. What advice would you give someone that's hoping to have a career in media, whether it's print or radio?
1: Listen, it is it is a tough industry right? and it's even tougher now. I mean, the coronavirus shutdowns, the number of good people I know who've lost their jobs is just phenomenal so you have to really want to do this. It can't you can't just think oh that would be nice or that would be fun. If you're passionate about it great, but also be aware that it's not easy industry to break into and you also need to really be open-minded about the opportunities out there. If you can do a bit of everything, then you'll be able to pick up some work, but it is a tough gig and I think as well You've got to be pragmatic and there are certain areas of speciality or expertise where you will find work. Like I love the arts, as you can tell. I'm passionate about theatre. I'm passionate about live music. But you can't, I can't make a living out of being a journalist focusing on the live music scene or the art scene. Yeah, there are a lot of great critics and reviewers out there. It's tough. You need to be pragmatic and you need to go, okay, this is this is something that I'm going to work on because I think that yes, I can make a difference. I can really find work in these areas, whether it's news, like breaking news, whether it's finance. I think it's really important that people understand how quality financial journalism benefits our society because it holds businesses to account and it also makes us more financially literate as well. So choose an area that you think, yes, the public needs to know this and it has a career path and go down that road.
0: Fantastic. So, passion, perseverance and a bit of grit in there. So, you've got to be able to stick with it and when it gets going tough that you keep going.
1: Yeah. And you've got to be willing to move as well. Yeah. You've got to think outside the box a little bit. It's it's not a job where you can stay bound to the cities. So most journalists do in in regional Australia. Uh, I'm working on a regional publication at the moment, even though I'm based in Sydney. I'm, I work on a regional publication. You've got to think outside the box. Yeah.
0: Now, Gemma, before you go, there's three tough questions that we ask every single one of our guests on Coogee Voice. And that is, where is the best beach in the eastern suburbs? Where can you get the best coffee? And where sells the best burgers?
1: Go. So, best burger is easy. I love Soul Burger. I'm not a vegan. (laughs) I'm not a vegetarian, but they just do fantastic burgers absolutely love them create them almost every day so it's soul burger best beach I reckon Yarra Bay I love it down there it's really quiet it's it's just stunning it's quite chilled it's not super popular because it's hidden away and so Yarra Bay I reckon is the best one and you've got the sailing club there which you can go and have a beer and watch the sunset which is just a great way to finish off your day and a best coffee that is really tough I do like my coffee I actually really like the almond lattes that you can get down at the cafe at Malabar and I guess that's because it's just a really lovely space to sit Again, Malabar is not one of the buzzy beaches of the eastern suburbs. And so if you want to just chill out, then that is the great place to go. You're never having to queue for a seat outside as you watch the the water. And so, yeah, the almond lattes down there at Malabar. All right. So almond lattes down at
0: Malabar, that is the place to go for a decent coffee down the southern part. Of the eastern suburbs. Uh, Gemma, thank you so much for joining us on Coogee Voice. My pleasure. Now, wasn't that a thought-provoking talk with Gemma? Now, if you'd like to catch Gemma's show, you can listen to her at 4 p.m. on Thursdays at Drive at Eastside FM. The show talks about arts and the music scene as well as explores local issues and politics that impact our community. And you can catch it on 89.7 at 4 p.m. on Thursdays. Thank you. You've been listening to Gucci Voice.